Welcome back to Cargumentative, your favorite Times Live multimedia podcast show on which we discuss all things cars and motoring. I'm your host, uh, Thomas Faulkner from the Sunday Times and Times Live, and I'm joined in the virtual studio once again by Dennis Dropper, editor of Business Day Motor News. Dennis, how are you? Greetings. No, I'm doing great. Thanks, Thomas. How are you? Yeah, very good. You know, enjoying the warm weather. Um, spring is in the air. I've got a spring in my step, so to speak, uh, which is quite nice. And uh, yeah, you know, glad to see the end of winter. It's, it's that time of the show, of course, where we uh, dabble in, in some news. Dennis, what's been happening? Anything exciting? Well, Thomas, you said you had a spring in your step. And one <laughs> car that distinctly will have a spring in its step is the new BMW M4 Coupe. Now, this is getting ever closer to an official reveal. It'll actually be next month. But uh, just before that happened, BMW decided to do one sort of semi-reveal. It's semi-camouflaged, but uh, they unveiled it at last weekend's Styrian uh, MotoGP race uh, at the Red Bull Ring in Austria, because BMW is a, a sponsor of that race. And now it's just semi-camouflaged, but we, what we do know is it will have that grill, and that being in inverted commas. So that is that giant vertical buck-toothed grill that, uh, that confirmed our expectations, or is that our fears, that the M4, like the, like the regular 4 Series that was launched earlier this year, it was introduced for that. And uh, obviously that set the Twitter sphere alight, and uh, some people love it, some people hate it. I'm kind of on the fence with that one, and... Uh, I'm not sure what what you think about that grill, Thomas. Whether you uh, whether it's grown on you yet, or do you need a bit more time? Ah, oh, geez, Dennis. I don't know. Hey, the more I see that grill, the more I dislike it. Um, I don't like it on the standard four series. Um, I don't want to see it on the M4, and um, even on the race car, it looks it just looks weird. I don't know. It just does not sit well for me. Um, and I'm willing to put some money on the table uh, that when it comes time to facelift the new 4 Series, um, BMW is going to revise that grill. I think it's, it's just been such a polarizer of opinion. And I've got to say, most of the people that I've spoken to dislike it. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's maybe a, a grill too far. Uh, yeah, my, you know, in my opinion. Now you could be right there, Thomas. But the good news is that behind the grill is some serious power, and that's a straight-six uh, twin-turbo uh, petrol engine, which will push out 353 kilowatts um, in standard form, and then 375 kilowatts in the competition version. Mm. Uh, so from that point of view, it will certainly be uh, it'll heavily go to match the show. And from that point of view, I think uh, M4 fans are something to look forward to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, the last car was also uh, really quick in the straight line. This one should be even faster. I just hope they make it handle better. And, you know, I hope they inject a little bit more sort of verve into the way it goes around corners. The last one kind of left me a bit cold. Um, didn't really strike me as, a, as, as, as the ultimate driving machine. As uh, BMW, you know, used to punt in their marketing campaigns of old. Uh, you know, I don't know 
what you felt about it, if there was any room for improvement? I, I was quite enamored with the previous generation vehicle, I have to say. Perhaps on the, with some of the nuanced levels, maybe it wasn't as engaging as previous generation. But in terms mm. of its sheer ability to get around corners very well, I didn't have uh, issues with it. But we'll ask Miguel Oliveira what, what he thinks about it, because he won uh, the Styrian MotoGP this past weekend, and he was given a brand new M4 Coupe as his prize for winning that race. So that's uh, not a bad prize. Yeah, not, not a bad prize at all. Talking about MotoGP, is there any news about Brad Binder? Um, I, unfortunately, wasn't able to watch uh, the, the MotoGP on, on Sunday. But how's he been doing? Brad finished... Uh, eight in Sunday's race. Uh, he was in contention at one point for the podium, which was pretty good because he started way down on the grid. He doesn't tend to qualify well, but he's, uh, he's all racer. The, the race was split into two because there was, uh, there was an accident. Uh, he, was, he had been running six up to, up to that point, and in the restarted race, he unfortunately outbraked himself at one of the corners, uh, but he recovered to finish eight. So he's still in title contention because uh, he's fourth overall. So definitely a lot for South Africans to look forward to in the upcoming MotoGP races. Exactly. Lots to cheer for, too. Um, yeah. There was also the Indy 500 uh, on Sunday night. I don't know if you got a chance to watch some of that. I didn't. Yeah, it was, it was quite strange, you know, because the Indy 500, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big event. Um, I think last year there were about 300,000 people that went to the Speedway to watch it. And it was just very strange to see this massive empty racetrack, you know, with no, no spectators, no people, uh, no ambience, as they say. Um, but it was, it was fairly entertaining. Um, and there were some massive crashes. I mean, there was this huge crash, uh, I think, like with about six laps to go, where, where this guy pranged into the... Uh, the pit lane wall uh, just made my skin crawl. It was just, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know how he actually managed to walk away from that, but it was, it was, it was really, really gnarly. So that's what's been happening on motorsport. Anything else, product-wise? Um, I know Porsche is unveiling their new Panamera later on today. Um, I know lots about it. I can't really tell you anything uh, at this point in time because it's embargoed. But uh, that should be good. That should be good. Yeah. Well, what we do know about the vehicle, and that isn't under embargo anymore, is that it set a new uh, lap record at the Nürburgring Hochschleife for executive mm. cars. So if you want your sports limo to be the fastest one around the racetrack, then uh, you Panamera Turbo S is the one to go for, it seems. Exactly, exactly. A completely meaningless record. But uh, that's what these yeah. car men, you know, <laughs> that's what yeah. these car companies like to do. Thomas, I was just Yo. thinking that just a bit of a tangent. Now mm -hmm. that we're at level two uh, lockdown and people are starting to travel across provincial borders again and looking at holidays, Land Rover has pointed out that it's got some very clear uh, reversing technology. So it's called Advanced Tow Assist. And that's ingenious electronic aid that greatly simplifies the stress involved with backing up a trailer. So... They've announced that it's available now on all the Land Rover and Range Rover vehicles, and it allows drivers to reverse a trailer just using a rotary controller on the center console. So instead of having to look over your shoulder and, and having your, your significant other standing outside the car and waving <laughs> you uh, to avoid the poles or the, the, or the fences or the trees, 
uh, the car does that all for you. So all you do is rotate the knob and, and you look at the, the infotainment screen and that's it. It just makes a simplified process of the whole dreaded reversing deal. I think it's absolutely genius. We had that story up on, on Times Live Motoring and I think it's just a fantastic bit of technology. Uh, if you ever have tried to reverse a trailer, you'll know it. It makes absolutely no sense because right becomes left and left becomes right and it always ends in an argument because somebody has to be outside the car and there's screaming and shouting involved, massive tension. So yeah, big up to, to Land Rover for introducing this. I think uh, a lot of owners will appreciate that. What do you think about this amendment to the drunk driving law? Yeah, this has been on the cards for some time. It was actually announced earlier this year. So it hasn't been promulgated yet. So it has to go through the process of going before Parliament, etc. But mm. our Transport Minister, Fikila Mbulula, has been a big proponent of this. And it is a controversial law because uh, it means that you, you cannot have anything, not even a single beer or a glass of wine before driving. But it also means, the AA's warning, that if you happen to take a teaspoon of her cough medicine, it'll show that you have alcohol on your breath. Mm. So the AA is suggesting that maybe we can relax the law and make it 0.02 instead of the current 0.05, rather than going for that zero rating. And uh, the AA is also saying that you know, the existing law is probably good enough. It just needs to be enforced better. So I don't know what you think from your side on that, Thomas. Well, that's the thing, Dennis. I mean, I think um, a lot of the problems in this country, not just from a, a traffic enforcement point of view, but general crime is that, uh, you know, things just aren't enforced enough. There's not a, enough of a proactive presence out there, you know, and it's, it's a very reactive system as opposed to a proactive system. And I think if we had more roadblocks and uh, there was more um, a focus on apprehending drunk drivers than just simply sitting behind a speed camera all day eating Nando's and taking bribes, you know, the environment would be a, a better place, uh, not just for motorists, but for pedestrians and other people uh, who, you know, use our roads. So, yeah. yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm with you there, Thomas. I, I think our, our laws are sufficient. We just need proper enforcement of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dennis, that's all time. Uh, that's all time. I'm all muddled today. That's, that's, that's all the time we have for uh, our news segment. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined in the virtual studio by a special guest. Join me, Nicole Engelbrecht, your host on True Crime South Africa, a weekly podcast that covers both solved and unsolved South African true crime cases. Welcome back to Cargumentative. In this segment of the show, we're joined by Charmaine Mavudzi, who is the Head of Customer Experience at Volvo Car South Africa. Charmaine, thanks for taking the time out to join us, and welcome to our virtual studio. Hi, Thomas. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It's only a pleasure. It's only a pleasure. Now, Charmaine, before we go any further, 
Um, could you perhaps tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what your role is as head of customer service? Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Shamane Mavudzi. Um, I specialize within marketing and building brands and recently got appointed the head of um, consumer experience at Volvo Car South Africa. Um, I've been in the marketing industry for just over 10 years now um, and I've done a few stints at Accenture, um, Ogilvy & Mather, heading up marketing and communications. And um, throughout my career, it's been a jump between being at agency and being on client side, which I think has um, diversified my expertise and my understanding of marketing and consumer behavior. Um, I started at Volvo Cars heading up uh, marketing and then that then extended, got extended to marketing and communications and as of this year um, got the opportunity to be the head of um, consumer experience um, and in that role I look after the entire consumer journey from customer acquisition to loyalty and retention. Okay, okay. And um, are you enjoying it so far? Is it, is it a, a challenging title? It definitely is challenging. Um, the nice thing is I think you have the comfort of uh, the marketing and the comm side of which I'm quite familiar with. Um, I think the challenging part is really focusing and honing in on the um, customer retention, loyalty and satisfaction, um, which really allows you to drill down and look at the consumer and, and understand different aspects of the business as well. Um, but I definitely am um, seeing a lot of value in the role and am enjoying it despite the challenges it comes with. Okay. I'm sure consumers are kind of becoming more and more demanding these days. Is that something that you're finding? Absolutely. Um, I think you're finding with all the changes and the shift towards digital, um, the digital space and digital transformation, consumers are very clear about what it is they're looking for from brands. And it's really looking at um, how do I get the most value outside of what the product gives me? Um, consumers are now looking at how am I treated um, by, you know, at, at different touch points within my journey with the brand. Um, and for me to stay within a brand, how am I looked after by that brand? So it's no longer just as clear cut as um, buying a product in an exchange of money for the product it's now also how all the ancillary um, objects that we never really used to consider previously that we have to take into account um, when we're looking at consumers okay uh, and talking brands talking volvo um, what is your favorite volvo model if you had to pick one Oh, I'm a loyalist to the XC60. <laughs> I absolutely love that car. I think um, if I had to describe my personality, I'd probably describe it as an XC60. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's a good car. Uh, I know that uh, I like it. Uh, my colleague Dennis likes it. And um, talking about Dennis, I'm going to hand you over to him because he's got a couple of questions that he wants to fire your way. So uh, without further ado, Dennis. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, Charmaine, well, welcome aboard again. Glad to have you on the show with us. You were quoted as saying that, that making Volvo more adaptable to customers will entail a data-driven process with decentralization and entrepreneurship at its core. Now, that's a lot of big words. Please expand on that and tell us exactly what you meant by that. Absolutely. Um, so we really have a strong focus um, in our in our long term strategy on consumer consumers. Um, we're leaning towards, and we've taken um, a very intentional shift towards um, a digital first strategy that allows us to track and understand consumer behavior because that ultimately informs, um, you know, how we design our products to ensure that we're meet, still meeting customer satisfaction. So we spend a lot of time looking at what is it that consumers are looking for from a safety perspective, from um, a 
aesthetics perspective from features functionality um, and different cues or we get that from different cues and the digital landscape allows us to do that um, especially I think being part of a global network um, as an African market we have to look at what are we doing globally mm -hmm. and how are we then adapting that at a local level um, and that kind of to a degree requires you to have a very entrepreneurial spirit because you're applying something that is almost um, you know a one-size-fits-all to a very granular market um, so we have to really look at consumers at a South African level and we have to look at the nuances that exist within the South African market and the landscape and how do we marry the three in terms of the consumer, the market and our product. Um, and that's been the strategy that we've been adopting. Great. Charmaine, could you describe some of the experience touch points that Volvo is using to interact with customers? Yes, definitely. Um, I think one that we're quite um, excited about that we launched in South Africa last year is um, Volvo on Call, which is um, our mobile app that allows you to connect with your car. Um, and it's it's a very cool app. I used it a lot this winter and then just realized how cool it is. Um, and it enables you to do different things from a functionality point of view. You're able to, for example, start your car remotely, warm up your car. You're able to find your car if you can't. But when it comes to digital transformation, it allows us to have access to that consumer data and consumer behavior behavior and how consumers are interacting with their vehicle as well um, in that process. So that's just one example of a platform that we're using. Um, we're currently working on integrating all of our different touch points in terms of call centers, customer care, um, to ensure we're driving customer satisfaction via an engine that we call welcome centers. And that basically allows a customer to have a one touch point for different needs or that meets different needs, be it you're a new lead and a new customer that we're looking at acquiring, or you're an existing customer that's looking to to book a service for their car and that's a project that we're actively working on um, on an ongoing basis. Okay great. Uh, speaking of uh, call centers, are any of your call centers being inundated with uh, queries from Volvo customers saying why have you set 180 kilometer speed limit for your cars? <laughs> Obviously that's been, the, been quite a controversial decision. Can you tell us what has the reaction been to that both globally and locally and has this feature already been implemented? Absolutely. So um, this feature has not yet been implemented. It will be implemented in our Model Year 21 cars, which are the cars that will be coming in um, later this year, early next year. Um, and we launched it globally last year. And I think at a local level, we started communicating about it last year as well. Uh, surprisingly, within the South African market, we've had a fairly positive sentiment around it um, from a media and consumer perspective. And I think it begs the question that if we're going against it, what are we saying um, about the road limits that are capped at 120. So at 180, that means you're still going over, but that should be enough to, you know, to allow for a buffer. Um, so locally, the sentiment has been quite positive. We have not been inundated with a lot of questions around it. I think the curiosity has been more to understand what informs it. But as a brand that drives safety first, I think that that question almost answers itself. Um, if we then look at it from um, what is Volvo's brand purpose and what do we stand for? I know globally there's been quite a bit of um, activity, especially you know within the media space and also with consumers, for example, in markets like Germany, et cetera. But um, I think if we marry the two again to our brand purpose, it's a move that will make sense for a brand like Volvo. Right, thanks very much, Charmaine. Uh, that, that's all from my side for now. I'm sure Thomas has some questions for you. Thanks so much, Dennis. I do indeed. Charmaine, I'm back. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of questions for you. And first of all, um, Volvo is running something called the Equal Vehicles for All initiative. 
Um, what is this? Uh, how long has it been going on for? And what benefits does it hope to offer motorists? Um, Thomas, that's a very good question. So the Equal Vehicles for All, um, which is basically the acronym um, EVA, um, is an initiative that shares results of uh, 40, over 40 years worth of research. Um, and this is data that came from 40,000 car crashes and about 70,000 passengers involved in those car crashes. And we collated all this data, which is also the basis of how we design our cars, especially from a safety features perspective, right? And we said um, the same way we gave the seatbelt to the end industry, um, of which a lot of people are quite surprised to hear that the, the seatbelt was invented by Volvo, um, which allows us to have, you know, a little bit of Volvo in every car. We're now giving this data um, to the industry as well and to the world because we live in a data-driven world. Um, and it's basically to ha for us to, to be in a position where we feel we're empowering the industry um, and contributing to, you know, furthering the safety agenda and not just as Volvo, but also as um, as an industry at large. So, I mean, our other autom automotive uh, manufacturers also have have access to this to this data and this information um, and it's basically saying to the industry here's here's the data do with it as you will um, but we won't keep it to ourselves because the safety of people goes beyond I think us as Volvo as a brand okay interesting men and women have very different anatomies as we all know how does this different affect them in the event of a motor accident uh, are, are females more prone to certain injuries over males and vice versa um, absolutely. So we have found through our research um, centers that women are definitely more prone to injuries than men. Um, this is mostly due to the differences in anatomy and body strength, right? So, for example, women who would be more higher at risk of whiplash than man than a man would be, um, and women would be more likely to suffer a chest injury in a car crash than men would be. Um, so when we find ourselves in um, environments where we're designing uh, vehicles based on male crash test dummies, um, we are in a way excluding, you know, the female anatomy. And basically, again, through this research, we share, share all of this information, share data, share stats around this, um, enabling the industry to maybe start taking that into account when, for example, um, going through the crash tests of a vehicle and just making sure that we consider both genders and we design cars from a safety perspective that cater to both as well. Okay. So have you guys got certain systems uh, in place in your vehicles that would better protect females in the event of, a, of an accident? I mean, how do you go about building these these um, variances into into uh, certain cars. So I think um, really for us it lies in the testing um, of the safety features and of the vehicles when it comes to the crash testing um, centers, as opposed to just having the male structured um, test dummies. We we um, apply both. Uh, the male and the female in terms of the anatomy of the, the crash test dummy. So that then allows us to be able to see the impact of, um, you know, what a crash would do to both or different um, physical forms and then tailor our safety features to allow for that. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, you've been talking about female crash test dummies. Were these made by Volvo? Is it a special project that you guys sat down and said, like, we need to design our own female crash test dummy, or is this something that's just started to come into the whole industry? Um, so I wouldn't be too sure in terms of the industry at large, but I mean, as Volvo, this is something that um, I think, again, driven by the EVA initiative that was launched last year, um, we decided to highlight how it is that we take into account the different crash test dummies. So we do have our own crash test dummies that are um, created for the purposes of testing. I mean, just to ensure that it's also at the standard of which um, Volvo expects it to be, and also the standard of our safety features. Um, so specific to Volvo, yes, um, to the broader 
industry, I wouldn't be too sure. Okay. Um, you mentioned that Volvo uh, was the first manufacturer to introduce seatbelts um, into the, you know, the production car realm. Are there any other safety features uh, that the company has pioneered? Um, yes, so I mean, we pride ourselves in our sensor system and that allows or has different features in it. For example, we have the city safety feature that detects um, objects, people in and around the radius of the car when it's moving um, and automatically it would stop itself, for example, to avoid any crash um, as much as possible. Um, we pride ourselves in, for example, Bliss, which is a feature that detects cars when you're changing lanes that might, you know, um, have the potential of either crashing into you or you crashing into them. And then the car then steers itself back onto um, the right lane to avoid any any possible crashes. One that's quite a favorite of mine is the lane keeping aid, for example. And that basically is if you're driving and for any reason you're distracted and you start going over the lane, the lane will um, the, the vehicle automatically steers back back itself um, into a specific lane. So those are just some of the features that we're quite proud of and that um, we lead with when it comes to the safety of our vehicles. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen in the news uh, today, um, South Africa is busy amending the blood alcohol limit. You yes. know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember Volvo was working on uh, some kind of feature that uh, the car would be able to sense um, if the driver was over the limit. Um, if they'd had too much uh, to drink, um, there would be a sensor or something that would then um, not allow the car to be started and to be driven. Um, is this something that Volvo is still working on? Um, and if it is, do you know more or less when it, it might come to market? Um, so, yes, definitely. I've also been following um, the news around that is quite an interesting topic because of the different views. Um, yeah. But bringing it to Volvo, uh, this is definitely something that we're still working on. It's part of our longer term strategy in terms of just, you know, um, the intelligence of the vehicle. We don't have uh, defined timelines yet as to when it will be available because currently, um, it's, it, as I mentioned, it's part of the longer term strategy and we kick, kicked off with the EVA initiative. Um, the second phase of that has been um, the Speed cap, lim speed cap limit, and then that will be the third phase of it. Um, and really, I think, you know, the intelligence of it, it lies in the beauty of it picking up the behavior of the driver. Um, so, for example, if you are intoxicated or if you are um, distracted, the vehicle or the vehicle would pick up in sense, um, you know, through the habits and through how you're handling the car. And then maybe, if I can say, make an executive decision um, to either stop itself or, you know, to notify you, be it um, like now. For, for example, currently the car will notify you that, um, you know, you maybe need to rest because it's picking up that your driving is not necessarily consistent or you are going over certain speed limits. So it's building up on that intelligence and enabling the car to really, really um, drive the safety aspect, um, especially when it comes to driver behavior. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great feature and I mean, it's, it's, it's something I'd like to see not just in Volvos, but in all cars moving ahead, you know, if we have got that technology available then we should be using it Absolutely. yeah um, just quickly um, is there anything else that's happening in the volvo camp that we can look forward to in the next year or so any exciting technology or developments that you guys are are planning on bringing up 
Um, I mean, we launched our first uh, fully electric vehicle um, this year at a global level, which we're very, very excited about. Um, it is being rolled out in terms of a media, full media launch um, in the coming few months, but that's again at a global level. And we're hoping to see that car land in the in the South African um, in the South African market in the next year or two. So that's something we're quite excited about. And I think um, exciting product line in the pipe, pipeline as well in the next year or two. And we continue to drive our sustainability agenda especially with our T8 plug-in hybrid, which is the core focus for us this year and going into next year as well. Um, and just, I think, creating or uh, doing an education job in terms of consumers understanding what ele- electrification really means, the implications of it, hybrids, what they mean, the implications of it, and how they're all relevant within a South African context. So for us, for the rest of this year, that's really something that we're going to be driving and focusing on. Okay. Well, look, I've been hogging the microphone here. Um, I'm just going to check if, if uh, Dennis has any more questions. Dennis? Uh, not really a question, Thomas. I'd just like to make an observation that Charmaine was talking about the uh, lane-keeping assist. And I have to say that uh, there's a number of car manufacturers with those kind of features. But so far, I've found that Volvo's is definitely one of the best in terms of managing to track the car and keep it in its lane and not just uh, mm-hmm. reacting to painted white lines on the road, but actually the edge of the road and manages to to have a semi-autonomous driving ability and actually steer the car around the, around the curve. So yeah, just kudos to Volvo for that, for, for making a very good system as we head ever closer to uh, fully, autonomous, fully mm-hmm. autonomous cars one day. Absolutely, thank you very much, Dennis. And then, Charmaine, just one more thing for me. Um, Volvo seats have always been amazingly comfortable. I mean, I, I suffer from this lower back problem that, uh, you know, some days are really bad, some days are good. But whenever I've had a, a Volvo on test, I've been amazed at how comfortable and supportive the seats are in your cars. Do you guys have a special, like, research lab that is, you know, kind of into making these anatomically fantastic seats? I mean, have you got any insight into that? Um, not too detailed from a product perspective, but we definitely do invest quite a bit um, when it comes to production um, into, you know, how the seats are designed. And again, this is speaking to the safety aspect of it, you know, taking or following the form of a human's body just to ensure the comfort, but also to ensure that there is enough safety safety that is taken into account when designing the seats and, uh, you know, also to allow the protection of the driver. Um, So definitely something that we focus on as well in terms of safety and um, supporting the human body when driving. Well, Shaman, we've unfortunately come to the end of this segment, but thanks again for taking the time out of your hectic schedule to join us in the virtual studio. Um, You really provided us with some fascinating insights, especially about crash safety. Thank you so much for having me, Thomas. Only a pleasure, Shaman. Thanks again. Folks, that was Charmaine Mavuzi, the head of customer experience at Volvo Cars. Um, and unfortunately, that's our show. We are out of time, but be sure to join us next week for another episode of Cargumentative. Until then, keep it safe and most of all, keep it real. Yeah.